Welcome to Signs of Life, Exploring Survival of Consciousness, brought to you by Forever Family Foundation, on the web at foreverfamilyfoundation.org. I call your name, the echo is haunting, the echo is always the same. I call your name, the echo is haunting, an echo can never be changed, so I call your Hello and welcome to Signs of Life Radio. I'm Bob Ginsberg and thanks for joining me tonight. You know, uh, if you're a fan or a regular listener of the show, you've heard us discuss mediums, uh, of course, for for many years. It's part of the work that we do. Uh, My life has been intertwined with mediums for the past 20 years, um, both from an experiential and and a research point of view. Um, I did write the book, The Medium Explosion, and I wrote the book for two reasons. One, uh, there are a lot of misconceptions about mediums and the process of mediumship. And two, there are simply too many medium practitioners out there who can't do what they claim that they can do, and we can talk about that. So I thought that uh, we would spend this hour talking about mediums and the process of mediumship. And uh, please call in if you have any questions. You know, the number here is 888-627-6008. I know that some of you have already uh, sent in some questions uh, during the week, and I'll be happy to address those. And so let's, let's get right into it. I have, um, uh, Let's see, the first question was, I I recently got a medium reading and was told that my mother loved me and is proud of me. How do I know it was really her? It's a good question because so often I find that mediums, especially inexperienced ones, believe that if they provide a message of love from your love, you know, from your deceased loved one, that, you know, their job is done and you're going to walk away happy. But, you know, how, how do, do you know that your mother, that it is your mother that the medium was talking to? The only way you would know that is through evidence. So if the medium first told you uh, the, your mother's name or your something uh, evidential about your mother and went on and on and had four or five, you know, direct hits. And then the medium said, well, uh, mom wants me to tell you it's very important that she, that she knows that she loved you. Okay. Then, then you could take that message and you can believe um, as you should, that the medium is com- communicating with your deceased mom. But you know, unfortunately, there are mediums that just come out and say, you know, your mom loved you. And let's face it, how many moms don't love their kids? I mean, it's a pretty general statement. So in that case, you really wouldn't know that it was her. So it's all about the evidence. You know, if you, you have to get the evidence first, and then you really welcome the message. I hope that answers that question. Um, here's another one. I've heard skeptics say that mediums are simply hooking into a universal information field or super-psi consciousness network when relaying information from supposed discarnates. 
Is there any evidence that, that suggests the medium discarnate connection is the more plausible explanation? If so, could you speak a little on that? Well, that is an excellent question because it is a lot of uh, skeptics, even a lot of open-minded skeptics will say that mediums are not communicating with the dead. They are simply extracting information as this um, listener uh, wrote from a super psi information field. Uh, the theory is that there's a field of information. Uh, spiritualists may call it the Akashic records. Scientists might call it a zero point field, but you know, there's, there's fields of information and what the medium is doing um, according to them is extracting bits of information from this data field that contains all the information that there ever was or, or, or will be. And, it, and at face value, I mean, it's, that's, a, that's a possibility. The way I look at it, though, so let's assume as, as hard as, as it is to believe that a medium can search through this unlimited storehouse of, of data and pick out, you know, facts and repeat them to you. But how does the medium extract the personality? You know, a personality is not information. And, and you know, if you've been to a medium, sometimes the mediums actually, not only do they talk about your deceased loved one's personality, but sometimes they even take on the mannerisms of that. So um, also, you know, I mean, there are other reasons. I mean, sometimes uh, you are getting a reading and a spirit entity drops into your reading the medium doesn't know the spirit entity. You as the sitter don't know the, spe- the, the, uh, the, the spirit entity. Um, and information starts flowing. Later, you find out when you do some investigation that the, that the information is correct. Of course, you didn't know it at the time. That would also tend to refute the possibility that the medium is reading your mind because you didn't know this person that's coming in and you didn't know any information about them until you found out uh, afterwards, you know, plus in medium research, um, uh, scientists uh, use uh, blinded protocol and there's proxy sitters and there's a lot of uh, levels of, of protection of the science. So that would also uh, tend to make us believe that the, the, the mediums are communicating with discarnates. And, and you know, really over the past century, uh, some really uh, profound uh, leaders in, in medicine and science and academia uh, who have studied mediums have, the, the majority of them have come to the conclusion that yes, indeed, some people can communicate with the dead. And I, I emphasize some because certainly not all, just because you say you're a medium doesn't mean that you can do it. That's how um, I would answer that question. And, and, uh, Again, this is uh, you're listening to Signs of Life, uh, and if you had a question about mediumship, you can call in at 888-627-6008. Here's a question. Uh, My friend got a reading from a medium, and it was great. I went to the same medium, and it was a terrible reading. How can that happen? Um, Yeah, it does happen. It happens a lot. You know, a friend of yours will rave about a reading that they got from a particular medium, and then you go and the medium strikes out and can't make a connection. I can't tell you exactly why that happens. I always think of mediumship um, 
is a subtle process and there are a lot of things that have to take place that you have to have a some sort of a resonance between the person and spirit and that medium and you as the sitter and if it's not all meshing and 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 and, and, and matching uh, the information is not going to flow. Uh, you know, there may be other reasons that, as silly as it might sound, you know, we maybe the person in spirit doesn't want to com- communicate through that particular medium for whatever reason. You know, so um, w- we don't know uh, why this this happens. You know, you know, but it does. Um, let's see. We go on to the next one here. There are still some some questions that are that are coming in. I mean, here's here's one that came in a little while ago, and uh, she said, you know, "My dad passed six years ago, and I felt his presence through red cardinals, and it seemed he is more distant, and I need him more than ever currently." Uh, there's a lot involved in this question. Wondering if if their being above moves on as and we fade away. And I'm now attending to my mom, and I hope he welcomes her wherever he is. Um, and then she said that, you know, she's wondering if she'll ever reun- reunite with her daughter, who is, uh, she's estranged from. So there's a lot to unpack from that question. I mean, one, um, she felt, uh, she feels her dad's presence from cardinals, and we all have different uh, signs and synchronicities that we relate to, and, and we perfectly understand that. Uh, the other question seems to be, does, um, you know, do they stop communicating as as time, at least time as we know it, you know, moves on? And that, that's a legitimate question. I mean, it does seem that communication takes place more frequently in the early um, years, uh, you know, after somebody passes. Now, why might that be? Um, well, you know, maybe people in the spirit world are constantly growing and evolving, and there's a lot of things to do for them to explore, and it's not, you know, quite as important from their pers- you know perspective to, to to keep communicating. Maybe you've already come to the conclusion, you know, that they still exist, um, and you know, but that's not to say that it's going to stop because there's plenty of cases in history of people communicating after, you know, 50, 60, 100 years after their death. So some part of their soul, their consciousness, their mind um, still exists. Um, you know, the, the, the soul or the greater mind is made up of many, many different fragments and pieces, and they can all exist simultaneously. So uh, it does seem uh, it's true. They're never going to truly fade away because they're always going to exist and they're always going to remain connected to you. It's just that the communications, you know, may lessen as time goes on. Um, And the other part of that question seems to be, um, you know, will, um, you know, will, uh, you know, her dad, you know, welcome her mom when it's her mom's time to pass. And, that I absolutely believe. I believe that through uh, my research and experience, personal experience with with deathbed visions and end of life experiences, where people that are near death in that window, let's say either right before death or a week or two before, start reaching out and talking to 
people that they recognize, loved ones who are in the room, um, other visitors, you know, by the bedside rarely see the same thing. But yet the, the dying person um, knows absolutely they're reaching out, they're talking, you know, to, to this other person. And if you talk to people that work in hospice and um, or medical doctors, administrators of hospice, they know this, you know, I mean, the, the, the vast majority of people um, have these, these visions. And I think that uh, my personal belief is that we all have help when it's time to cross. And now the, the dying person may be, you know, physically or mentally incapacitated, you know, near death and, they may not be able to express it to you, but nonetheless, um, it still takes place. And that's that really, I find it very comforting to know that, that, that none of us are going to, you know, die alone and that our loved ones uh, not only still exist, but are taking interest, you know, in helping us even after many, many, many years. So uh, that's how I would uh, address that. There's another comment um, that came in. It's not really a question, but it's a comment. Uh, you know, Barbara writes that, you know, unfortunately two years ago, her son died and last year her, her husband died. And she said she joined grief groups and she joined bereavement groups and she saw a psychiatrist, but the biggest help to her were readings from two, uh, as she says, uh, two forever family uh, foundation certified mediums. And she writes, they gave me irrefutable proof that my deceased loved ones were still with me. And that is how I managed to go on. And, you know, thank you for writing that, Barbara. And, and that's really what we what we found is that if you get a really strong evidential uh, medium reading, uh, that can be life tra- uh, changing. It can be grief transforming, you know, because you walk away um, Maybe you're not on the fence anymore. You know that communication was taking place, you know, with your loved one. And sometimes the, you know, those effects can go on. Uh, they're very, very long lasting and they stay with you. They don't, they don't dissipate. And we know that there were many uh, studies uh, uh, done by uh, professionals that are published in uh, peer reviewed, you know, journals, medical journals, uh, that state that those who believe um, in an afterlife, those who believe that their loved ones still exist in some form, do better in their grieving process and their grief than those who don't. That makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, what could give you more hope and comfort um, than the knowledge that they're not really dead? You know, that death is not final and they, they still exist and you'll see them again. So that, that that's not surprising. So um, we never um, discount the, the, the power that mediumship has on grief. Now, one of the reasons that I wrote the book is because mediums can do um, as much harm as good. Because if, let's say, you, you're in bad shape and you don't really believe that there's an afterlife, but you decide to go to a medium and you get a, a horrible reading, non-evidential, a lot of general stuff, and you walk away saying, you know what? Uh, this was all a bunch of baloney. The, you know, there is no afterlife. Mediums uh, aren't real, and you walk away in worse shape than when you came. So, I think it's important um, 
that you seek out and, and secure readings with mediums that really can can do what they claim. Well, enough on, on that subject. Uh, let's see. We have, uh, I'll read some more that are coming in. Um, if a medium is communicating with my deceased loved one, shouldn't they be able to tell me his or her name? Her name? You know, we hear that a lot. You know, people tend to think that communication is sort of being like on a telephone. You know, the medium's on the phone with your loved one. And, you know, if they're communicating, why it shouldn't be that hard for the person in spirit to let the medium know their name. But it's not the way mediumship works. You know, mediums perceive information in various ways. I mean, they sometimes they see it, sometimes they hear it, sometimes they feel it, you know, the, it, or, or sometimes they even smell things. Um, sometimes they, they feel things on in their own body that relate to, to how the person died. So the medium has to pick up that information and translate that information into English language, you know, or whatever language, you know, that they, they happen to be familiar with. And it can't be an easy process. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes I use the example. So let's say the the medium is giving me a reading, and um, and uh, you know, and and they, my loved one's name was George, right? So maybe the person, my person in spirit, you know, George in spirit, could imprint a an image of a well known figure like George Washington, and then hope that the medium is swift enough to interpret it the right way. I see a picture of George Washington. It must be something to do with George and mention George, you know, you get my point. It's not an easy process. It's not like they hear directly, you know, my name is George, you know, all of mediumship is about interpretation. And, you know, I might put, you know, three mediums next to each other and they're all communicating with the same spirit and they're all getting the same information. But each one of them is going to interpret it and communicate it to me as the sitter differently. So it's not only this, there's a skill involved. It's not only the ability to perceive the information, but how you interpret it and communicate that to the, to the uh, sitter is another thing. So it's not, it's not easy. It's not an easy process. And yet we see mediums that are tremendously accurate and it, it almost seems as if you're talking with your loved one. I mean, if you've ever been to an extraordinary medium, um, it's it's quite amazing. So there, you know, all mediums, and I think that's one of the questions that came in, you know, all mediums are, are not the same. I mean, even, you know, if some people, that's another misconception. A medium is a medium and they all, it's either, you know, they all are a bunch of frauds or they all can talk to the dead. And it's not that simple. You know, some can, you know, and, and some can't. Um, so, um, I would, um, I think it's an unrealistic ex- expectation to, to think that the medium must, um, be able to give us our loved one's name. Now, having said that there are mediums whose strength is getting names, you know, and then a lot of mediums that I've talked to really, really good mediums have said, that's not my, I, I don't get names, you know, I mean, sometimes I do, but most of the times I don't. So every medium has a, has a different, um, uh, I won't want to call it a skill set, but, you know, for, for lack of a better term, uh, they, they all have different 
ways of, of receiving and they all get different types of information. Some mediums, um, you know, are very, um, very good. They instantly know how your loved one passed because they feel it. Um, and that, that may, that's another subject why mediums have a lot of physical ailments. It takes a lot out of them. I mean, let's say they're bringing through your loved one who passed from a heart attack and then they feel a tightness in their chest as they're communicating. I have to believe that being empathic and feeling all this stuff as they're interpreting it must take a toll on, on the human body. And, and we have noticed over the years that there are an unusually, there's an unusually large percentage of mediums who have um, physical ailments. And, and I think there's, there's a correlation between the two, you know, and, and on that subject, I've also noticed um, after questioning many mediums is that a very large percentage of mediums have suffered um, either mental or physical trauma when they were younger, um, you know, usually much younger um, as if. So I think that there's also some sort of a, of a correlation there, you know, where that trauma actually um, heightens um, their abilities. Uh, I'm not aware of, specific studies in that regard, but I'm sure that, you know, that's what they're going to find. Uh, you are on Signs of Life. I'm Bob Ginsberg. We're talking about uh, mediums. The number here is 888-627-6008. If you had a question about mediums, uh, it's a question. Uh, are mediums always connected to spirit or can they turn it off? Um, Another good question, because think about it. If you're a medium and you are constantly being bombarded, you know, with information and, and from spirit, um, wouldn't be too easy to live your life, would it? I mean, you, you know, you'd, uh, it would be very, very difficult. So the mediums, for the most part, have found ways of turning themselves off to you know, spirit, uh, spirits. I mean, that may be, they may ask their guides, they may um, say a little, you know, prayer, they, you know, or they make an announcement to the universe that they're sort of closed, you know, for business. Um, and that's the way that they handle it. I will say, though, that I've been with mediums in social situations, uh, where they're, they're off duty. Um, and all of a sudden they, they get that look in their eye and information is coming through like gangbusters, you know, for somebody that that's in the room and they can't help themselves. So I don't know that they truly completely, you know, shut down. Um, you know, you may have heard me mention that we were involved in a, uh, a study that Yale Medical School was is is doing, which I thought was very intriguing. And that what they're doing is they're studying people that are intuitive, you know, and you know, mediums certainly fall in that group who hear voices, you know, mediums hear spirit. And they're trying to figure out how, just that very thing, how mediums are able to uh shut down, you know, the voices because they hope that that information will help a lot of um, people that are being treated for mental illness, you know, because they're, they may be diagnosed schizophrenic or, or hearing voices. And there may be other methods and except, you know, uh, for giving them uh, antipsychotic drugs, you know, to, to treat them. 
plus the fact that there may be a lot of people that are misdiagnosed um, as having mental illness when all they are are, are gifted intuitives. So uh, I think that's a very intriguing study, and I look forward to, to seeing the results of that. Well, let's see. Let's go on here. Um, why does negative information rarely come through in a reading? That's true. Um, you know, it, it took me, you know, it was probably after I was working with mediums for about 10 years and I just sat down and said, wait a second, something's not making sense. I've, you know, here I've witnessed these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of readings and, and there's nothing negative that ever comes through in a reading. So then I started asking, you know, the mediums, you know, why is that the case? And the most common answer that I get is that uh, mediums uh, do not want, you know, negative information to come through. And then they, they do some of the things we were talking about. They, they ask their guides or, or the universe, or they say a prayer uh, to not to surround themselves with white light uh, so that the dark energy um, cannot, you know, come through. And I guess, I guess that that works because, I mean, I think we all believe that this world that we're in um, and the universe that we're in has both positive and negative energy. Um, I think that from an afterlife perspective, people that have a lot of um, negative energy um, initially transition into you know the afterlife and they're among like-minded people so to speak people at the same level and then over time uh you know maybe some of that lights uh, uh replaces some of the darkness and they start to advance and learn and have help you know and progress through through other realms but um it is uh certainly is the case i mean i don't think probably none of you if you went to a reputable reputable medium have ever been told, you know, negative information when it, when it comes to communicating with your, um, with your loved ones. All right. Let's, let's take a, um, a call. We have um, Nelson on line one. Hello, Nelson. Aloha. This is Nelson from Hawaii. Um, I called a couple of times in your show and I, I listen to it every week. Um, in reference to um, your your um, answer regarding um, why why um, mediums can't pull names, um, yeah, I've just learned found out it all started when my dog died, and then I started going through some soul searching, reading books, and listening to all kinds of um, information. Um, my friend, who has always been psychic, trained under um, a local prominent psychic told me that I was psychic a long time ago, but I didn't believe him. Um, but after what happened with my dog, Charlie, who passed away from his liver shunt after four years and two months, um, I, I learned a lot of things out of it that I wouldn't probably have even bumped into had that happened with me and that dog. Um, my surveillance camera captured images of him on, during the evenings, and they were very um, detailed. So it was, it was not mistakable. Anyway, um, I found out that I am clairaudient, and I was speaking with my sister, who um, whose husband died over a decade ago. Um, while I was talking to him, and she mentioned her husband, 
I heard a voice speak to me from the back of my head. To, like, it's like a voice that it's not through your ears. And it's, he said, I love you. And I know it wasn't meant for me. So I asked him, does that mean anything to you? And she said, oh, she used to tell me I love you every day. And she would always ask him, why do you keep saying that? Because she's from a different culture, yeah. She doesn't express love in that way. So that message, I thought, oh, okay, that was from him. And then a couple of days later, I got another message while I was doing um, chores. And something happened between me and one of the household members. And I wasn't, I, I made a comment that was really, might be harsh. And the voice told me, you need to be more kind. And I thought, I felt really um, bad about it because, you know, if that voice is telling me that, that I'm being, you know, maybe rude, I was like, wow, now I'm getting messages constantly now. And here's the thing, um, I'm, I'm already starting to learn about mediumship, trying to learn how to turn it on or off, that kind of thing. One thing I learned is that each medium has a different type of skill. Some of them are clairaudient, like maybe myself, who hear voices from the other side. And some may have images in their head. That's how they can see their um, loved ones with like with their pets on the other side. In my case, mine is hearing the um, voice of the other side. And I. it's interesting to know that you did say that um, many of these mediums came upon this, this whatever you call it, mediumship gift or talent or skill. Yeah. Yeah. In my case, I had a very extreme traumatic experience when I was a child. And that's, that kind of makes sense to me now because I, I, I always pushed off this idea that, you know, that I have anything, even though my friend told me that I have this whatever skill or I don't call it a gift because it sometimes feels like a curse. Um, because I, when I hear these voice, it, it's like they have a connection. Like with my sister, when, when my brother-in-law came through, he told her, I love you. But then it bothered me that she did not even show any um, like emotion, like crying or anything, because it was very significant for her. And it kind of bothered me. And I don't know if my brother-in-law was trying to convey to me that she's you know, having problems with that, her emotions. And but yeah. thank you for mentioning that about how experiences, like traumatic experiences, can cause someone to open up in that kind of realm. Because yeah. I think that's what happened to me. Yeah, I think that it's very likely. And of course, you know, we know from people that have had near-death experiences. A great many of them have come back um, with uh, psychic mm-hmm. abilities that they didn't have before. You know, in your particular case, I mean. Listen, Nelson, we all have various varying degrees of intuitive ability. Some of us have very little. Some of mm-hmm. us have, have a lot. Um, you're, you're evidently, you know, intuitive and you're getting information that doesn't mean that the universe is tell, telling you that you have to be a medium. You know, you can be a personal communicator mm-hmm. as well. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, you also have to differentiate. I mean, you're going through a lot of things now. You mentioned that, you know, sometimes it's, it's kind of disturbing. So you have to learn how to how to control the information that's coming from. And also bear in mind that some mm-hmm. information is coming from 
spirit entities, whether that be, uh, you mm-hmm. know, your dog or other discarded, you know, entities. And sometimes you're, you're picking up psychic information, you know, from the from the minds of the living, you know. Um, so the, the mm-hmm. process sometimes is difficult for you to separate. You know, the good mediums uh, can tell you that they can instantly know when they're picking up information psychically from the living as opposed to communication that's coming from a from a discard and that's something that just comes mm-hmm. you know uh with i guess with practice and or, you know a mentoring and so forth but um i, I guess you, you know i mean uh, thanks for calling you, you mentioned a lot of good things and i think that um you know, it's nothing, um, it's nothing that should be disturbing you. You just should be embracing it. And, mm-hmm. But I would definitely, you know, practice or seek some assistance in, in being able mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, limit being open to this stuff, um, you know, when, when you're ready, you know, because as you mentioned, sometimes it's, it gets to be a little too much. So you have to learn how to, mm-hmm. how to control it. So thanks again um, uh, for calling. Oh, and, there's, uh, yeah, there, there's one more thing though. Um, you mentioned that um, there's usually no negative coming through from the other side. From what yeah. I learned is that on that side, that when you cross over, you drop all basically your ego because on that side it's all love. So of course on that side, I'll get a, a, like apologies and love that kind of thing because. These stuff that that's on this side gets dropped as soon as you cross the veil, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, that's one one thing uh, I learned. Yeah, I mean the 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 prevailing energy on the other side is is, is light mm-hmm. and love, uh, and it's a lot different mm-hmm. than the physical realm. So it's something I think that we can all look forward to. Mm-hmm. Well, right, have you. a good have a good have a good New Year, uh, Nelson. Take care. You too. Have a okay. happy new year. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. So let's uh let's move on here. Um here's, here's a simple one, you know. Can mediums see the future? Um well, you know, it's said that all mediums are psychic, um, and it seems to be true. It doesn't work in the reverse. Not all psychics are mediums. You know, some people are incredible at getting you know information from the living but not so much when it comes to a discarnate entity so there is a difference between the two um so in a reading it's you know sometimes the medium will tell you something that's going to happen in the future and what i would caution people is do not make any um life decisions based upon what the medium tells you about your future in a reading, because the future is most likely made up of many, many different pathways, you know, and we have free will and we may change the course of our future, you know, through our free will. So, you know, think of it as a tree with many different branches, you know, so one branch leads somewhere, another branch leads another, and we may have these, you know, kind of infinite number of branches that lead in different directions. So I, I don't think it would be wise, um, you know, to to follow or take it, you know, you could take it under advice, uh, but I wouldn't make any decisions based upon that. The future, you know, is not etched in stone. So, you know, plus the fact that in a medium reading, there's no way of us, um, you know, 
determining whether the, the what they're telling you is evidential or not, because the medium tells me that I'm going to meet somebody in three years. Well, three years would have to go by before I'd be able to tell you whether that was true or not. You know, so from a, if you're going for a psychic reading, that's one thing. But from a mediumistic reading, uh, you know, telling you about your future is not something that generally takes place. Um, here's one. Uh, should I visit the same medium more than once? Different schools of thought on that. I understand why people want to go back to the same medium, because if you went for a reading and the reading was good and, and you were connected with your loved one, um, you feel that that medium resonates and has a connection to your loved one and spirit. So why not, you know, go back, you know, to the same medium. I uh, never, um, my, my feeling was different. I would much rather get independent verification from a different medium, you know, under, you know, hoping that if my loved one can get through one meet through to one medium, they'll be able to do through, through another. And, that that seems to be the case um, from our experience, and plus the fact that if you go back to the same medium, the medium a lot of the mediums tell you they don't remember anything from their prior readings, but a lot of them do, um, and it's always possible that the medium is going to tell you something that they told you before, and then you don't really know if you can trust the information or if the medium is remembering, and especially if it's you know, um, soon, you know, like a month or two after you had your, your first reading. So there's no right or wrong to that. You know, my personal preference is, you know, rather, you know, getting independent verification from different sources, but, you know, just be guided by your own gut when it comes to that. Um, can I just, can I learn to be a medium? Well, um, you know, some people say that, you know, mediums are born and they can't be learned. But I think that our experience has shown that there are people that have, you have to have some intuitive ability. You have to have strong intuitive ability to start with. Then it can be mentored and honed and, 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 and you can, you can become a medium, you know, with the right, under the right guidance and do different exercises and, you know, and learn about the the, the practice and, 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 and just keep moving forward. And there are people that a lot of the mediums, even a lot of mediums that have been certified by Fervor Family Foundation became mediums much later in life. You know, they had, they were intuitive as a child, they were intuitive as a teenager, they kept fighting it and fighting it, um, not even believing, you know, that they weren't imagining it. And then, you know, really as an adult, they started embracing it and said, wait a second, and, you know, have turned out to be, you know, wonderful mediums. So, um, so I guess the answer is, yes, um, you can learn to, to be a medium, but with the proviso that you have to have a strong um, foundation of ability. Um, I could never, uh, my intuitive ability is, is not good at all. And I'd say, I don't, I'll, I'll never, I would never be able to become a medium. But uh, I know a lot of people that are very intuitive and, and they probably could. But I would also say that people should think long and hard about that because being a medium, um, and a lot of us don't really think of it that way, but it comes with tremendous responsibility. I mean, think about it. You're on the front lines with people that are grieving. Some of the people that are just, 
you know, that they don't know how to getting through each day and then you're like their lifeline, you know? So, um, so it's not something to be taken uh, lightly. So, I mean, and, and it comes with a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, heartache because you, you know, you, you feel mediums are empathic and they feel the, the sorrow and the sadness and hopefully they, they can lighten that up for you. So it's, it's something that not everybody's cut out to be a medium. So, um, you know, you have to really give it a lot of thought before you go and hang out a shingle. Um, uh, here's uh, a lot of people, well, a couple of people who have asked about are the readings stronger in person? In other words, sitting with a medium face to face, as opposed to getting a reading on Zoom or, uh, you know, on, on the telephone. and I, I, you know, can think I can say based upon everything that I have learned is that there's no difference in the, in the, in the information. The information is, is exactly the same distance makes um, is immaterial, you know, so whether um, you know, you're sitting directly in front or, you know, through the internet, the information is going to flow. And I mean, think about it. I mean, if we're talking about, interdimensional communication right the piercing the veil you know from one dimension to the next what differences does miles make you know we're, you know um so it really is is really about a resonance and, and and the ability of the medium to to pierce that veil and get through so uh, plus the fact that um a lot of researchers that study mediumship they prefer when the sitter and the medium can't see each other, like via the phone, because that eliminates the um, possibility that the medium is, is using body language and cold reading to make assumptions about the sitter. Um, and that will, um, it makes the evidence that much stronger, you know, because there's no question. I mentioned, you know, Zoom, and I think it's also uh fair to say that that's presented a big problem um, regarding fraud and mediumship because, you know, let's say the medium is, is doing a reading for you via zoom and the medium has your name, your first and your last name usually. Um, so while they're giving you a reading, they could have um, uh, the screen open to your Facebook page. And you know how much information people can glean from reading your your Facebook page or other social media. Um, and they could be spitting back information that they're reading and you have no idea. And you're sitting there saying, oh, my God, this medium is unbelievable. How could they, she possibly know that? Well, it's not so difficult. <laughs> One click and you find out about that stuff. Now, you know, professional ethical mediums would never resort to that. But there are many mediums that are not professional and ethical, you know, and they will. It's something that you should always be on guard about. I recommend giving as little information in advance to the to the medium as possible. Uh, I I once got a reading, uh, you know, in the past year, I, I've got a reading. Uh, by the way, I in all the years that I've been working with mediums, I never got a reading from one of the for a family foundation certified mediums. And the reason for that um, is that most of the mediums know um, 
at least something about me. So in my mind, I couldn't trust the information that was coming through, you know, and even though I know they're wonderful professional ethical mediums, I would still always have that thought in my mind, but I did get a reading um, with another medium that I knew was, was very, very good. And uh, I only gave my first name, Bob, right? So that's not an uncommon name is a million Bobs. And I didn't give them any other identifying information. And I paid for the reading in advance by asking a friend to pay uh, using her PayPal account to the medium so that they couldn't be traced back to me. I mean, that's the, the precaution. I, and I wound up getting a tremendous reading that I could um, take and, and treasure because it was extremely evidential. Right, let's go to another call. We have... Um, Barb uh, from New Jersey on the line. Hello, Barb. How are you? I'm oh, good. I'm fine. How good. are you? Welcome. Good. Welcome to yeah, Signs of Life. Thank you. I've been uh, catching up on things <laughs> the last <laughs> week, um, listening to the archives and everything. I just had a question about reincarnation, what your thoughts were about that. Well, um, you know, the evidence is certainly compelling, you know, I mean, I mean, Probably, you know, in other parts of the world, I, you know, virtually 100% of the people, you know, believe in reincarnation. You know, here mm-hmm. um, in this country, you know, it, it's probably, uh, you know, I, if I had to guess, I'd say 30, 40%. But, you know, there are many researchers. Um, Ian Stevenson at the University of Virginia um, studied past life memories of children for 40 years, you know, with, with thousands of cases. Um, and if you read, you know, some of his work, it, it's so compelling. You know, they, they go out and they, they, the child starts talking about a previous life and they identify the previous family. They, they pull medical records, uh, law enforcement records, you know, uh, uh, monetary records, and they become detectives. And sometimes they're even lucky enough to, to accompany the child to the, you know, to visit the family uh, of the life that they uh, talk about living previously. And, and uh, it's, it's just uh, overwhelming. So from that perspective, uh, and there are a lot of well-known, uh, well-known cases, some of which, if you watch the, the Netflix docuseries, um, you know, one of the um, episodes was on reincarnation. So I think that um, it makes sense. I don't think, I'm not one that thinks that everybody reincarnates. I think it's a choice, a free will choice yeah. that we make, um, and that some people choose to 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 do it. Uh, some people don't, and then again, who knows? I mean, we may come back um, hundreds or uh, or thousands of times. A lot of people will say that because I always I always fought it. I mean, for many years, Barbara, I, I didn't believe in it. I do now, but because I always say to myself. I was thinking in physical physical terms, why would somebody choose to come to this physical existence and, and exactly. live a life of hardship or poverty, you know, or sickness or tragedy, you know, and then, you know, why would I choose, why would somebody choose that? But we're thinking only from a physical perspective. I and mean, what if there is, you know, an oversoul that is made up of many, many different lives and while you're on the other side, in between lives, you pick what you're still lacking. You know, I don't, you know, maybe I, that's the part of, this is what I need to complete my soul. And we think of living in this 
physical world is it seems like a, an eternity it lasts forever from their perspective it's just this little tiny blip in a continuum of life so they're not looking at it the same way the other thing that i used to think about with reincarnation is that if i come back because i need to learn a lesson and i don't have any knowledge of that lesson that i need to learn what good is it <laughs> You know, but but the answer yeah. that I hear from people is that because, you know, I mean, you don't realize it, but, you know, you are, you know, learning the lesson. And when you cross over, it'll become clear. So I don't know. What, right, what are right. your thoughts? Do, do you believe in reincarnation? Well, I never did until I've been reading up on I read uh, Laurel and Jackson's book and <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you know, kind of following up on. Uh, signs of life and reading and listening to all the uh, archives. Yeah. And I kind of believe in it now. Um, but I just wonder why some spirits feel that they need to come back. Like, like you said, it could be because they feel that something is missing. They haven't done enough. Yeah. And that, that, um, that's, that makes sense to me. I mean, by the way, if you're, researching it you know you should might want to pick up a couple of um, dr jim tucker's books um on past life memories of, of, of children and he's you could also we've interviewed him a few times and you could look up the interviews in the archives and you know so he's one of the leading okay. re- researchers today that took over for ian stevenson but um yeah i mean i, I believe it's some of the most compelling cases in reincarnation uh, are these birthmark cases you know you have somebody right. in a previous life let's say that was was murdered and was shot um in several parts in his body and then the child who remembers that life was born with birthmarks that when they pull the records are matched I- identical to the wounds inflicted by the the gunshots, you know, so that, which is right. mind blowing, you know, so, you know, some of the stuff is, 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 is wild, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it, I think it's a strong form of, of evidence of an afterlife. It's, it's right up there with the, you know, the near death yeah. experiences and end of life experiences and mediumship, mediumship and so forth. Yeah. I'm just trying to learn as much as I can. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. That's what we all should Very be doing. Interesting. Yeah. Well, thanks for calling, and I uh, hope you have a peaceful new year. All right. Well, thank you. You too. All right. All right take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, here's, a, here's an interesting question. Do you need to get into an altered state of consciousness to communicate with the dead? Um, you know, I've seen a lot of med- mediums prepare for readings in different ways. I've seen mediums that meditate before every reading um and that's the way you know so when this meditation is a is a form of of an altered state of consciousness so in that respect they do but i've also seen other mediums and you know they could be uh you know just having a meal and then zoom zoom go right into a reading so i don't think it's it's uh, i think while they're in the zone so to speak while they're doing the reading they are in an altered state of consciousness and they're just able to pop in and out of it. You know, there doesn't seem to be any real preparation that they do. Um, they may, a lot of them, you know, will say private prayers to their guides and so forth, but or to the universe and then get into it. 
and that helps them. And that's the way of them raising their vibration. Um, but I don't think it's a rule because like I said, I've seen other mediums that just they're doing one thing uh, and then boom, you know, just start reading. So I, I don't know that um, it's a necessity that they prepare for it that way. Um, uh, there's another question that came in about group readings versus an individual reading. So if you're going to go to a, a couple of practical things, if you're going to go to a reading in a group, the odds of you getting a reading are going to be lessened, right? I mean, because if there's, you know, 20 people in the group and, and the medium is doing, you know, four or five readings, uh, your odds are maybe 25% of getting a reading. What if you go to a, um, a, a group where there's 500 people or or mediums, the famous mediums, they might do 2,000 people, which I hate, you know, I think it's ridiculous. But, um, you know, so your odds there are infinitesimal of, of, of getting, you know, a reading. So, I mean, the other thing to, to bear in mind is that, and I've seen it happen, where your loved one in spirit, I mean, there may be private information and they may not want to come through a medium in a group setting, you know, um, and they may wait, want to wait. So, I mean, if, if you really, if you want to go just for the so-called experience or entertainment of it, I mean, a group reading is fine, but if you want to really think that you, you need a reading, um, I would recommend, you know, arranging a private reading as opposed to, you know, going into a group, um, I know we don't have much time. I didn't get into, you know, one person was asking for the different types of mediumship and, you know, that would be mental mediumship that we're all familiar with, you know, trance mediumship where the, the medium uh, takes over the, the, the body of, uh, uh, I mean, the spirit takes over the body of the, of the medium and may even speak through the medium's vocal cords and then physical mediumship which involves, you don't see that much today, although there are still physical mediums where uh, they, a lot of them go into trance, but it's also accompanied by physical phenomena, levitations, um, you know, lights flickering, uh, raps, you know, noises, apports, material things that just appear out of nowhere um, and so forth. So, but for the, for mostly 99% of the mediumship that takes place today is with mental mediumship and mental mediumship is still mind to mind communication, except that one of the parties no longer has a physical body, but they still have a mind. And that is why mediumship can take place because it is still a form of, of mind to mind communication. So we've run out of time. I appreciate you joining us this evening. I hope you all find some peace and comfort and good health in the coming year. And uh, we'll see you back on Signs of Life next year. Take care, everyone. Mm-hmm.